How's it going, everybody? It's game over, Montreal. We were actually treated to a rare win tonight, and honestly, one of the most entertaining games that the Habs have played all season. I have a couple of hype guests for the show today. We've got Tara Sloan and Mike Fail, so I'm going to welcome them in right now. How's it going, everyone? Good. Yeah, that was. Um, it's it's always nicer to to come on when things have gone well. So I'm grateful for tonight. <laughs> I mean, gone well for some of us, not so much for Mike. No, Sorry. no, no, it's okay. The first period was great. Uh, the last two periods were uh, a little underwhelming and disappointing, but I hope you're having a great evening, Andrew. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't really care about wins and losses anymore. I mean, even if I did at this point in the season, I feel like I'd be des- desensitized. Uh, it's been a bit of a rough one. I mean, hopefully we can continue to have some more entertaining games because i think this one at the very least no matter who you were cheering for this is a pretty fun game to watch because like the intensity was there especially from the second period on you had like good branson out there trying to kill people and then making big defensive mistakes and uh, I i thought the pace was really good all game long i thought i was a little bit surprised at how sloppy the flames looked in the neutral zone uh, in terms of like covering up passing lanes it seemed like that was not their best game from what I've watched so far this year. Yeah, I the first period was really great. Like I really liked their forecheck. They were playing super aggressively. They were running like three forwards on every forecheck, and F3 was just going ham. And then as the game went on, they just couldn't break out. They were getting passes picked. They weren't connecting. Nothing really seemed to work. I'm assuming that Daryl Sutter is probably going to like threatened to put them on the farm or something after this game. <laughs> and then good Branson. I mean, it was like the worst game I've seen him play all season. And he's been relatively passable for most of the year. I think the more egregious work was kind of like Nikita Zadorov doing uh, Zadorov things that probably shouldn't be happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, um, I, it's always, it's interesting for me because I, I grew up, um, a Montreal fan. My family's from Montreal, but I spent five years in Calgary. So th- this is like, there's only like one or two times a year where I feel conflicted. And so, um, but yeah, I was, I was surprised to see a, a bit of a, a lackadaisical uh, flames team, obviously coming in, um, c- coming in hot and Montreal coming in, not as hot. So um good Branson. It's downright dangerous, right? Like that, there was some scary stuff that, that cross check, the slash it just uh I don't, I don't like to see stuff like that and it's usually stemming from something so you're right i think he's gonna he's gonna be the one ending up in uh in viking on the casually floor. just yeah casually dismisses the next few games because he's out feeding the pigs or some sort of punishment but <laughs> he'll be yeah he'll be bailing hay like no question i'm glad you I brought mean, up the cross truck though like witnessing that i it was just kind of like when it happened i, I kind of rolled my eyes really hard and was like not one not this like this is the last thing the team needs and then just it was absolutely unnecessary with you know with the type of game that they've been playing this season so hopefully this is the last time that we have to see something like that yeah, I find like that after the whistle stuff is a huge pet peeve of mine. And I know some people love it, especially in the playoffs. And it's kind of funny watching like Canadians fans in a way getting upset about that because last year in the playoffs, that was like the Sherratt Weber special. 
was just like hammering people with cross checks so it's like you don't really have a high horse to sit on with that one but at the same time when it's a little guy like gallagher that just gets destroyed and then you see like his head lands like a couple inches from the boards and you're like you talk about the game being a game of inches during play it is after the play too and that could have been rough well, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're supposed to be cracking down on it, but obviously it's still happening. I'm not sure what the, the correct deterrent is in terms of uh, league and player safety, but that's the bottom line is there are things you can do to change the pace of the game, and there are things that are um, that just come as a result of pure aggression after the whistle, and and the latter is it, it just has to be made unacceptable. Yeah, someone just pointed out in the YouTube chat that I have the score wrong. I have it as 3-2. I forgot about the empty net goal. The empty net goals, they they always get me on this show that <laughs> uh, I have to, like, add the score manually on the streaming, like, the platform thing, and I never remember to add the empty net goals. So 4-2 was the final score, not 3-2. A uh, big battle by Jake Evans at the end of the game, who's been great lately. Uh, kind of funny, the last game is, like, a couple minutes before he scored what will end up being the best goal of his entire career. I tweeted, like, if he just had 5% more talent, he'd be a really great player. And then he pulls off a ridiculous move. And he had another great game in this one. I, I guess there, I don't know if the broadcast was 100% correct. I haven't checked. But they were kept on mentioning that he was matched up against the Flames' top line and seemed to do an e- a pretty decent job of shutting them down. Yeah, the top line looked really rough tonight. It was kind of a rare occurrence where you saw... Goudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm not really accomplished anything. And I mean, it was bound to happen. I just wasn't expecting like a, I haven't looked over like the you know matchups from this evening, but I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Jake Evans is going to spend the rest of the year proving you wrong and uh, making you regret <laughs> that 5% comment. I mean, that, that'd be nice. I think the Canadians could use some sort of depth players jumping up and contributing more than they expected because this season has been tough i mean outside of nick suzuki offensively like the whole team has been behind the eight ball well yeah i mean it's uh, listen nobody wants to see this team tank i don't think any any fans are in the you know fight for right for for that reason um but something's got to give i'm I'm not sure what it is obviously people are calling for heads heads to roll and i i don't know what the production is going to be but but this certainly betrayed all the the stats moving into this in terms of uh, goals and power play goals. And so if, if they can keep this sort of spirited play up, um, it'll look a lot better. Yeah, and it's kind of in, this is the fifth game in a row where the Canadians, I know they've been up, outscored in a few ones really badly, but uh, the fifth game in a row, they actually looked decent. And I say that I know a lot of people are still really upset about the way things have been going. Completely understandable, and you should be upset. But compared to the beginning of the year where they were just getting absolutely blown out of the arena every night and seemed like they couldn't do anything once the the score was like slightly against them, they haven't been collapsing, you know, uh, they haven't been slumping their shoulders on the bench as much tonight after the Flames scored the to make it 2-1. It kind of looked like maybe that same familiar pattern would show up and the Canadians would start uh, falling off, but they battled back in it, got some fortunate work on the power play there and a nice bank shot by Nick Suzuki. I thought that was pretty crazy that he tried the bank shot on Markstrom and he just like took it away from him. And it was like the next shift. He tried it again, <laughs> little battle going to, on there. I had to rewind it a couple of times. I was a little overwhelmed when I saw it, you know, like 
really Nick Suzuki, you're going to do that. You're going to, you're going to do us like that this evening. And then I watched the replay again and then again and again, and I'm just like, okay, I would give you $7 million a year. If you could do that every game, <laughs> like if I was a GM in the NHL, I'd be like, you do that every game, $7 million. I mean, I would be bankrupt, but the fans would be leaving pretty happily. But uh, I wanted to say, uh, is Brendan Gallagher going bald? Because that bald spot looks it exactly like mine was when I was younger and uh, <laughs> I noticed it and I was like damn if he goes bald he's gonna go insane and <laughs> put up ma- monster numbers down the stretch of his end of his career uh, but shout out to all those bald guys yeah yeah he definitely is I first noticed that when I saw Brennan Gallagher a couple years ago at Atwater Market and he was going down the stairs and I was going up and two short guys passed each other and saw each other's thinning spots on the top so uh, there was a, a nod of recognition of, yep, it's, it's leaving. Take care of the last couple of years. You got it. It's hard out there, man. Like <laughs> you start losing it. You're worried about your confidence. Am I, am I doing everything right? Do I do the comb over? Like when I had hair and I was losing it, I had like the kind of like emo kind of thing going for a while. I was like, do I comb it over and just make it look a little bit better? And eventually you just kind of give up and <laughs> shave it. Um, but I would love to see more of it, more bald players in the NHL or like more comb overs, bring it back to like the seventies and eighties, make us feel a little bit more confident about ourselves out there. You mean yeah. when back in the seventies when players who were 25 looked like they were 45? Oh yeah. I mean, I went bald at 23, <laughs> so I'd love to see more of it. I swear. Yeah. I know. I know. Isn't baldness, uh, isn't that sort of a matrilineal um, trait? Oh yeah! I swear to God, Brendan Gallagher's dad, I think, is is a shaved head guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah, but there, I guess that doesn't matter. Yeah, no, my uh, my uncle went bald at eighteen. I went bald at 21, 23 ish. Uh, I think my grandfather started losing his hair in like thirty something. So, um, I, I think we need more investigative reporting on all the folks losing hair out there. More coverage <laughs> on that. I feel like that's you. It's going to happen. Scorchstack is pivoting to hair care and like beauty routines. Um, we're going to bring in everybody. We're going to get all the uh, experts out there, teach you how to, you know, chrome your dome up, make it all nice and smooth, get some sponsorships <laughs> from like uh, Manscaped and things like that. You got to like sell sponsorships like on the boards or on the ice, on, on the dome. I would do it. 100%. If, uh, <laughs> if I didn't have to go to work every day and uh, be on camera for all my bosses, you know, maybe get a little bit of uh, some tattoo action going up there. <laughs> Just Budweiser across the side. Not that we're I might sponsored be an Al- by <laughs> I'm, I might be an Alberta boy, but I'm not drinking Bud. Uh, I'd probably get something like, uh, like old Milwaukee, something kind of trashy. But, and, you know, you grew up in the sticks like that's what you expect from me. What did the FUBAR guys drink? Get that. Uh, that's, the, that's a good question. The, the, oh my gosh. It's like green and red and white. Uh, green and red and white. Um, oh my God. Pilsner? Somebody, somebody, pill. No. Pilsner? Is it? Is it pill? Yeah. It's, that's a very Saskatchewan drink, I find. Okay. Well, the Fubar guys, that. So yeah, it's, it's Alberta too, but you're right. For the record, Mike, to uh, boost your ego, we've got at least three comments already saying that you're a beautiful man. Thank you. Ooh, uh, I'll let my girlfriend who's sitting in the corner playing video games let, let her know that uh, people are admiring me and uh, they'll get her hyped up. Excellent. All right. Uh, so to pivot away from balding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody asked me heading into the stream here. Uh, one of the questions we got was, how do I feel about Ben Sherratt co-leading the Montreal Canadiens in goals? And I'm 
known for being very hard on Ben Sherratt because throughout his career, his on-ice impact is not very good. But I did say on the last stream that when Ben Sherratt plays to create offense, he's a better player than when he tries to be the defensive guy because he's not very good defensively. Just because he's big doesn't mean he's good. But when he pinches that, like, I think he's six foot four and he's huge and strong. Teams just kind of flip out and don't know what to do. And when he goes to the net and kind of just sits there and the puck comes to him, he can fire some goals in and he's proved it the last two games, four goals on the season for big Ben Sherrod. Listen, some people need a bit of a flip mid career. And maybe this is just a, a new tactic that needs exploring. I saw you tweet that he's, he's better offensively than he is defensively. And whatever's working, you know, that's the way I see it. Got to lean into it. Somebody's got to score on that team. That's right. Is he going to lead the Habs in scoring this year? Like prediction, yes or no? no. I'm going to say no. (laughs) So I shouldn't bet all of my hard-earned money on Ben Sherratt. Okay. I mean, what's the the odds on that? Because if you could put like $5 on it and win like 1000 then definitely do it because you never know. I'm going (laughs) to... I'll hit up uh, Dom Lucision and find out if he's got any numbers on it. And uh, I'll put everything I have, which is $35, (laughs) and uh, I'll make it a reality. I mean, maybe they'll do the old uh, the Brett Burns thing and put him on wing for a season. He'll score 40 goals. I'm fine with that. More positionless hockey. I think that's the future of the game. Get guys like Ben Sherrod up there playing wherever they feel like, get him scoring. I I feel like we're due for a renaissance of... uh, kind of like depth players that don't have a lot to offer, but outside of like at similar, like isolated aspects of their game, just like going off for a year and kind of breaking everything. We need like another, like David Clarkson-esque kind of situation in the league. Maybe Ben Schrock could be that guy. That'd be fun. I mean, I think the Canadians could use any positive story right now and not that they didn't do a lot of positive things tonight, but just overall on the season, they could use something positive to talk about because outside of, Nick Suzuki, as I mentioned earlier, it's been kind of thin, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think this game was probably the most entertaining game that they've played in this season. Not that they haven't had good games. They've had a few, but I think both teams were like fun to watch tonight. And the Calgary Flames this year, like, let's talk about them for a little bit, because I know based on the private data companies, they've gone from one of the worst transition teams in the league to like the number one best. And I think we've talked about this before, Mike, but like Daryl Sutter, I know people think that he's like a super old school coach and some of his approaches are old school, but in terms of like getting transition going, he knows what he's doing. It's really weird to experience. Like I'm still kind of awestruck at times, you know, we endured so many years of like Bob Hartley and then Glenn Galtzen didn't really get it done. And I really liked a lot of what he brought, but then, you know, there was the Bill Peters thing and then Jeff Ward for an intermission. And it's cool. Like he's managing to get players that don't typically know how to break the puck out, like off the boards and out is probably like what a lot of guys are doing, like Eric Branson prior to being a Calgary flame. And they're actually getting forwards in the center of the ice or like in the neutral zone to actually receive passes, or they're actually just carrying the puck out. And um, we, we talked about it on the podcast the other day. And um, I've noticed it, especially like in penalty kill tracking, especially um, they're a lot more confident playing like closer to the blue line and just being like, you know, screw it. We're not going to just dump the puck out. We'll carry it out and eat time off the clock. But at even strength in particular, you know, where most of the game is played and 
where you know the winds actually start to accumulate um they're maximizing guys who maybe aren't atypical puck movers or haven't had the best resumes over the last few years in doing it and i really like it i like the way that they're using essentially three to four players at a time to break out effectively and create these controlled entries and and create off you know offensive zone time whether or not that amounts to chances or shots or goals for that matter is you know, dependent on the opposition or you know, game state or whatever, but it's been really cool. Um, if it continues for the rest of the season, uh, I'll be happy with whatever happens this season. Like, um, I don't care about winning the Stanley Cup at this point. I just want like a competitive team that does like all of the intricate, you know, essential aspects of the game that have been so far removed from this team for so many years, like uh, as a cornerstone moving forward. Um, not to say that a cup wouldn't be great, but it's just really cool to see. I mean, I certainly have been, um, you know, one of those who is sort of critical of the NHL's habit of recycling coaches. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that I know Sutter well, but I certainly have had enough experience. I like him personally, but that doesn't mean that everybody likes him in the room. So um, to me, yeah, I'm, I, I'm really happy to see the flames uh, thriving under him. You know, I, I, I hope that whatever, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a Sutter style and we know that Daryl can be, uh, has known to be harsh and he's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but I also hope that there's an evolution, you know, like I, I, obviously he's got the hockey and the X's and O's down pat. I always hope that, you know, as they um, give these coaches second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances um, that they are also able to evolve with the game. And and so far with the Flames, it, it certainly looks that way. Because he wasn't even, I, I mean, from what he said, everybody says when they're out of the game that they really don't want to come back in. Um, but I don't think he needed this job. I think he just loves coaching. Can I ask you a question? Because I came prepared because I've been wanting to act. I, when Andrew mentioned that we were going to be on this together, I, I wanted to come prepared. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the coaching recycling. I was just kind of curious from your perspective in, in media and broadcasting. What do you think is going to, where do you feel like the breaking of the cycle of recycling coaches effectively starts? Do you think it's more of a grassroots approach with finding different voices and different individuals to break through? Or do you think that there are people kind of already in the game that just haven't been given their opportunity? I, I think it's going to be a combination, you know, like I, I just think, um, I mean, you have to give people shots, you know, and it ultimately, I think that there are a lot of really capable uh, women in the game. There are, there are women coaching Daniel, the Daniel Goyets of the world, uh, the Vicky Sunaharas of the world. There are women coaching at super high levels in the women's game, but, but, you know, there's that transition I think can be more seamless than um, the Cro-Mag fans were like, you didn't play men's hockey. So you don't know what you're talking about. So, I mean, you know, I think it's like you have, to, there has to be some intentionality about it when you look at kind of how you're building your your front office, you know, like I think the Seattle Kraken is a good example, at least not necessarily from anything other than a scouting perspective on the hockey side, but at least, you know, they're starting from scratch in terms of building um, their executive team and they're intentional about it. They're intentional about creating a representative, um, you know, broadcast team. Um, Somebody has just got to, 
say, you know what, like, screw it. Like we are going to give this, give somebody a chance, you know? I mean, Leafs, yeah, kind of like, it's not a huge risk bringing Haley Wickenheiser into the fold. I don't think, Um, but there are, there are lots of Haley's like there are, there are lots of like really insanely good women. And um, so, but I also think like the pipeline has to exist, you know, like the pipeline has to start from somewhere and more women have to be and girls have to be encouraged to play coach, be in the game, officiate all of the above. So all of these things have to happen concurrently, but ultimately somebody has just got to kind of break the cycle and say like, you know what, I'm going to bring so-and-so and not just a video coach, but you know, an assistant coach and like it just the crack in the armor has to happen. Yeah. It's got to happen at some point. Uh, there's a question in the YouTube stream comments here from Mike and anyone going to address Gallagher's up kick from his back at good Branson. I didn't see that on any of the replays. I wasn't looking for it either, but did either of you guys see Gallagher kick with his skates up at good Branson after he was knocked over? Mm, I didn't catch that. I, I caught it and it came up in Discord, one of the Discord servers I'm part of, and there was a lot of people kind of a little concerned about it. Um, hopefully it wasn't intentional and maybe it was just like a knee jerk reaction or anything like that, but it's dangerous. Um, yeah, you don't want to see the last thing. Like, when was the last time we saw like a, a kicking suspension? It was like a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, even kicking, I feel like they have rarely punished that. The ones that I can think of is when guys like stomp, like uh, when Chris Simon stomped on somebody. Yeah. I think Chris Pronger did it as well. What's with the Chris's? Very aggressive. <laughs> Bad I, I mean, Chris's. Yeah, lots of lots of means. I mean, I grew up with a lot of Chris's who were kind of bullies or kind of a little bit of a delinquent growing up, so maybe it's something in the name. Yeah, I mean, my middle brother is named Chris, and he's like the gentlest of the three, so I don't know. Something going on there, though. He's got a secret mean streak you don't know about. He's just hiding it from you. He doesn't want to break your heart. Yeah, I I did want to mention just while we have like the privilege of having Tara on, because obviously it was like a pretty big decision this weekend by Sportsnet to delay hometown hockey in Sudbury. And I understand like it is the right thing to do, but it's got to be a little bit heartbreaking to to have one broadcast of the season lost. Uh, you know, I think it was a wake-up call as to how precarious a situation we're dealing with. You know, it felt really good and almost normal for the first four stops. Uh, obviously, we, you know, we interact less. Ron and I can't really go into the crowd maybe the way that we did, but the festival was going on. You know, we're able to shoot stories and it kind of felt like, oh, okay. And then it was like all of a sudden – the rug gets pulled out. And I think it's, you know, as we see cases kind of uptick in Ontario and in other spots, you just realize like, okay, we're, we're still in this and we're still navigating it. So um, yeah, it sucks for the community. Like really, you know, we're, we're, we're going to try to get to Sudbury sometime this season and and try to figure that out to, to do it justice. So uh, yeah, I've been an unexpected weekend at home. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's like the one positive from it, right? I mean, and obviously making the right call from from the Sportsnet and hometown hockey head honchos yeah. to to not take the risk for both you guys and for the people coming into the the broadcast. Has it how has it felt comfortable 
doing the broadcasts. Like I know it's outside, so it's obviously not as big of a risk factor, but mm. just compared to how much fun you guys so obviously had on those broadcasts before this stupid pandemic that we're still yeah. somehow dealing with. Like, has it felt more like normal or is it still kind of feeling like, have you felt that precarious nature of it before you had to cancel in Sudbury? I mean, I have to say health and safety, you know, has been paramount and it's Rogers, right? So there's like a big health and safety team, everything, every decision is weighed very carefully. And so, um, I honestly, they've done it in such a way that it's ticketed time. You have to be vaxxed to come into the festival itself. But yeah, for sure, the interactions feel, you know, less immersive. Um, we have a mobile studio. And so we used to kind of be able to like, you know, bring our guests and their families on and say hi. And um, it's a closed set now, right? You have to, you actually have to be rapid tested before you come on to be a guest on the show. So it feels like a little bit more like we're in a fishbowl and uh, we can't you know, say hi the way that we want to, but it, it has felt, I think about as good as it possibly can given the circumstances. But I, I, you know, I, I hope, I hope we don't have to cancel anymore. It is. Um, I know what it means to people to have us there just because it's some like glimmer of, of normalcy. And so I really, I hope that continues. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, like precarious, we should probably talk a little bit about the situation with Ottawa Senators right now. Or I think a lot of people were surprised that, that game went forward. They've got nine people on COVID protocols now in Ottawa. They lost two nothing to the Kings, which isn't really the story. But uh, it, it seems like after a pretty decent start to the year, things are getting a little bit dicey around the NHL and there's a few situations that uh, look like they could go south real quick. And as games start getting canceled, even the Olympics could be in doubt there. So I wonder if that's something that we should be paying a lot of attention to going forward. So they, and then the Sens also lost Arden Zub, if I'm not mistaken, to an injury tonight. So it's like depleted, but I, I think that's an afterthought when it comes to the COVID situation. Um, I, I don't know what it's like in Montreal in particular, uh, but I know like here in Edmonton, the new mayor just reinforced like the mask mandate and they're kind of moving forward with like some local policies to help with things. Cause I think there was a concern at like the local level for hockey, not like NHL level or WHL level, but like kids playing because case numbers continue to be kind of suspect. Um, I, it, it kind of floors me that um, there's still not kind of, a little bit more rigidity to structuring COVID protocols to protect teams. Like the Penguins are still enduring a breakout or a situation right there, right? And now it's the Senators. And um, I'm dreading, like, it seems like every day you kind of log on to like Twitter or whatever it is to, with bated breath to be like, you cross your fingers, you hope your favorite team or your favorite players aren't impacted or anything like that, especially with like the long-term impacts of um, a positive test or, um, the ability for it to spread so quickly, even if everybody's vaccinated. Um, uh, but I mean, from a personal perspective, I'm still scared as hell to leave my house. Uh, I go as far as shoppers and I go home and that's pretty much about it now. We had Alex uh, Formentin on the uh, show on Sunday and he was, he was all hunk. Well, I, I kind of, I said, you're hunkered down and staying safe, but he was hunkered down and um, you know, obviously there was something afoot and you're right. Like I think Andrew, what's, you know, what's really 
happening here is like there's if this keeps going the way it's going um games are going to be postponed and i'm sure a lot of people are saying like why wasn't the ottawa game postponed um what's it going to take to actually postpone a game like how much of a team has to be sidelined uh it's kind of insane i think to me but there's going to be a cumulative effect and and like yeah like the reality of covid is you can be vaccinated and you can still get it and you never know if you're one of the ones who's who's gonna suffer um some real long-term implications so i i think on the broadcast tonight um somebody just said you know maybe this can serve as a wake-up call to the nhl generally that they like you say mike the the rigidity like their hat the the protocols like everything's been getting kind of loosey-goosey it seems and obviously different jurisdictions have different rules different teams have different rules remasking or not masking blah 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 um but the league might have to step in and say like in the interest of all of our players and this entire league like some some structure is going to have to come back yeah Yeah. i would i would be shocked if we're not going to see it probably around like christmas or something like that but maybe i'm just kind of talking out my butt here i'm just it's hard. It's like, I really enjoy hockey being back. Like, and I enjoy like the broadcasts kind of returning to normal. Like it's been really satiating just in terms of, again, like we were saying, like normalcy and in kind of pursuing something that we haven't experienced in a long time. Um, But it's like always in the back of my mind is, you know, how long do we get to enjoy the NHL, you know, for better or for worse of what's gone on this season across the league. Um, But in particular with the COVID situation, it's, yeah, like I look at it and I look at like the impact of like long haul syndrome on a lot of players, um, like the Oilers in particular. Like, I live here at Edmonton. It was a big story for quite a while with like Alex yeah. Daylock and now Josh Arch- Archibald and very in various circumstances playing into that. Um, I think like, I don't know about you guys, like, but I'd say over like the last year and a half, um, my perspective is like a fan is maybe is like a you know, pseudo analyst in my spare time. That's my day job is like, uh, I've become much more uh, sympathetic and empathetic to like the player life and player experience. Um, Not just like for the obvious reasons, but like the NHL in terms of like CTE and concussions and addiction issues and the whole gambit, but like specifically with like moving forward with pro sports and how we can provide um, it's like the most acceptable environments for them to kind of go out their livelihood and and take care of themselves and and also like enjoy themselves in, in their career. So it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, but I think, you know, with Ottawa in particular, it's just like, you know, we're, we're at the precipice of something happening, hopefully, and who knows what's going to happen. But I'm optimistic that maybe they can right the ship and, you know, this their situation will kind of resolve itself, hopefully, with like their, the right approaches. And then maybe there's something we can learn from it, like in these circumstances, in these outbreaks, like maybe there's something that can be discovered. And, you know, maybe it's like a, a behavioral change with how they go about um, handling things off the ice and or on the ice. And, you know, there's a, there's still a lot to learn, frankly. Yeah. And the nice thing is now we do have the benefit of, as far as we know, everyone is vaccinated outside of Tyler Bertuzzi. So even if you do get it, there's like a very small chance that it develops in the same way as if you're unvaccinated. Right. So there's less of a risk factor that way. And it seems to me that to, you don't have to necessarily be out for 14 days if you get it right. Like you can test negative relatively quickly once vaccinated. So it's, there's good news still, 
Uh, and speaking of good news, there's a couple Canadians fans in the comments saying that we should bring up that the Canadians, the Canadians are no longer in eighth place in the Atlantic Division. <laughs> they hopped the Ottawa Senators tonight. Now Ottawa has two games in hand, but I think they've lost six straight. So not looking good for the Ottawa Senators so far this season. After you know, I, I think everyone kind of thought that they were going to be a lot better than they are this year after they tore it up at the end of last year once they were out of the playoff spot. But I think teams often catch people off guard when they're way out of a playoff spot and there's no more pressure. So the guys just play super loose and everyone's like, oh man, this team's going to be so great next year. And then it just flops. So unfortunate reality for Ottawa, but that plus the COVID situation and injuries, it's, it's a lot to overcome. Um, Regarding Montreal, they've got uh, a tougher schedule going forward than what they've faced so far. But they are going to get Carey Price back eventually. I feel like at last broadcast, somehow we didn't mention Carey Price at all, despite him being cleared. Uh, we should mention him tonight. He came out with a statement talking about why he was in the player assistance program and it kind of, like it kind of got leaked, not necessarily leaked, but the cat was left out of the bag, let out of the bag, when uh, Dominic Ducharme in a press conference said that the they hadn't talked to Carey Price because he wasn't allowed to talk to people outside of the program, which, as far as I know, most mental health programs don't necessarily close you off, right? So people started to speculate about what was going what was going on. I don't know if Price would have released why he was in the program if that speculation hadn't started. But I do think that Price opening up about it will help a lot of people down the line. You're absolutely right. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, he's had such a, a heavy burden a heavy load. I mean, on top of, <laughs> you know, being in one of the most wonderful, but most difficult hockey markets, um, in North America, um, being a goaltender, which in itself is, you know, the, the spotlight and it's sink or swim. And there's so, so much blame to shoulder. Um, and then, you know, his first nations, um, heritage and everything that's happened over the last year and and that being you know he he having his own reckoning with that and then the media's relative insensitivity and and throwing that at him and sort of re-traumatizing him and um you know and lord knows what else right but uh so he's had to shoulder a lot but he has this quality as we all know he's like uh he's sort of like this Buddha. Um, He's just got this sort of serenity and obviously that's not what's happening inside. But I I think, honestly, I think he would have said, um, I think he would have talked about being in in the addictions program, even if the cat hadn't been let out of the bag. I feel like he knows it's his lot in life to lead by example. and, And he knows, I think, how many people this has helped and will help and um, how in particular, you know, the culture of of sport doesn't allow men to uh, admit to these weaknesses. Um, So he's, he's incredible. 
and and seeing how much support he has received from the greater community and and the fans that's nice yeah i as somebody like i've I've had some family members struggle with like addiction i think i mean it touches everybody i don't think you can really encounter anybody in your personal life who hasn't been impacted but um i think i didn't get a chance to bookmark it or save it just because i get rolled through my twitter timeline so quickly but i saw like a few tweets getting shared where like Carrie Price opening up and talking about things uh, helped them kind of like reconcile, you know, some demons or I guess problems or opportunities in their life that they're working through. And I think obviously like when you, you put athletes like such as Carrie Price, he's, you know, he's been kind of like a figurehead is like one of the top goalies of his generation. And he's, you know, done everything at the national level and he's done so many things like Tara said about like, you know, locally and, and across Canada for indigenous rights and attention on those specific subjects. Um, everybody kind of starts reassessing, you know, what's going on, you know, maybe they start noticing things in their personal life with their friends or family, maybe there's the signs there. And it opens up that really positive conversation. Hopefully it's positive. Sometimes those conversations aren't always the easiest ones to have. And then it's, you know, a ripple effect, right? Like we talk about athletes, you know, and using their platforms for good. And I don't think that there's anything more important right now outside of, um, you know, that the gambit of things that Carrie Price has been associated with then, you know, saying, Hey, like working through some stuff, my family needs help, you know, supporting me, or I need help supporting myself. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody else in their local communities, um, you know, takes that message to heart and does something where players across the league, which I think is super important given, you know, serious addiction issues and in stories that have came out over the last couple of years with regards to pills and, you know, I think about the Ryan Kessler story that TSN did. Uh, it was like last year, a couple years ago. And he was talking about how he's being fed pills and it was unhealthy and it led to a lot of problems. And I don't really care what the specifics are about Carey Price's situation is. I just look at it as I'm like, man, I watched this guy do everything on the ice. And now he's, he's taking on like his biggest challenge. And it's really inspirational because, you know, these are lessons that I think everybody, doesn't matter how old you are, you know, your background, sexual identity, you know, everything like that, you can look at that situation and be positively reinforced. Um, and then when he comes back, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's this year, maybe it's next year, who knows, it doesn't really matter so long as that he's happy and healthy and, you know, his family supported, but it's a really great story. Um, not that it should distract from anything that's going on in the league right now, but it's like, it's something that we can all rally around as fans of the game and say like, man, this is great. He's back. He's happy. He's healthy maybe he's a catalyst for the the Habs at any point to go on a run and then you, everybody starts rallying around him. And I don't know, it's just great. It's, uh, it's, I don't want to say like it's much needed for the game, like people opening up and having these issues, but like the impact of just being able to discuss it is super awesome. Yeah, I think absolutely. it is much needed for the game because I think, you know, we all know hockey, hockey culture is like, has traditionally been one of playing through injury and being lauded and being silent too when you're struggling right yeah exactly and so playing through any doing whatever it takes and that's strength and so i think that um carrie price is breaking that that mold and i think it's really important yeah, yeah I, I just want to clarify. I, I just didn't want like more players to have issues. And like the perfect yes, circumstance, totally. everybody is thriving and there's good vibes. But yeah, it's it's super good to see. Yeah, I mean, in, I mean, obviously, as things have unfolded over the last calendar year or so, like there's been some dark stories coming out of this league. And 
I mean, big ups to you, Tara, for actually bringing that up on the broadcast the other week. That was like your little two-minute succinct speech on hockey culture's toxicity and what needs to change. I can't believe that you packed that into two minutes and said it so well. It was such a good little soundbite that went around Twitter and social media the, the next day. It, I like really, really props for that because you nailed it on the head. Well, thank you. I mean, I, you know, I've really, I, I obviously had ideas plotted in my brain. Um, I didn't exactly know how I was going to execute it. I just certainly wasn't going to like memorize a monologue um, and was I think all the thoughts that I had kind of gelled after I saw Gary Bettman's press conference that kind of just, that did it for me. Um, but I'm really grateful that I have the platform. I do. I recognize the privilege inherent in my position and I have a, a crew and a team and a co-host who um, I, I said, I'm going to say some stuff <laughs> and they're like, okay. And buckle uh, in. Yeah. And the, nobody asked me, you know, nobody vetted, my my thoughts um nobody asked to see like a draft uh and i was i was supported by the network also and i know not everybody agrees with what i said i know not everybody agrees with me saying what i said on that platform um but overwhelmingly i, I really just think i was voicing what a lot of fans and and people in the media, but I think in particular fans have been feeling so disheartened and disillusioned about, and it, the tipping point, I mean, this has to be the tipping point. Like how, you know, if, if the suffering of Kyle Beach and on and on and on, and John Doe too, like if it's to be worth anything, this has to precipitate change. Absolutely. Um, but I think there are a lot of exasperated fans out there. So I'm, I'm just one of them, you know? Yeah. And I think in a way like hometown hockey is the perfect outlet for it because that's a show that's very much about the positives of hockey and the familial relationship of the sport and how like it is very much a small world. You know, it is like a small town mm -hmm. hockey in itself. Right. So I think that as much as it's a, sad and enraging and sickening story it's bringing that up and pushing for that change i feel like that that is there's no better place for that than hometown hockey you know like that is you have to have some difficult conversations and i just thought that it was perfect i really did and Thanks. we won't get too much more into the blackhawk stuff because i know like people are it, it is a bummer <laughs> you know and it's a lot it's it's a lot and i know we've talked about it a lot we've talked about it on this show before and it's a win for the canadians <laughs> canadians fans probably just don't want to spend the whole time talking about how awful the blackhawks handled that situation and continue to awful awfully handle that situation in regards to john doe too but uh yeah uh we had another question which was how did we feel about ryan paling tonight i I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't notice Ryan Paling a lot. He only played seven minutes, so he wasn't given much of a chance. Uh, I did notice Michael Pozzetta and Alex Belzeal a lot in this game, though. And I know they're not, like, hot name prospects by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought that they brought a lot, and they've continued to do that over the last couple of games. A lot of energy, a lot of pace, and some good reads throughout the game. 
I don't know who any of those players are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I mean, they're like AHL veteran. Well, Pizzetta is a draft pick, a seventh round draft pick from a couple years ago. But Belzeal is like an AHL veteran who once in a while the Canadians call up. And for some reason, he just like is really good. And but not quite good enough to stick in the NHL for some reason. Like he always seems to do the the guy who drew the call on Lucic or okay. That guy. I didn't like that moment, but I, I'm still trying to figure. I know that I saw like a bunch of Habs fans on Twitter be like, "Why is this guy coming up?" And like, he's he's got a really neat sounding last name. Maybe he's like a fighter or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Admittedly, like I know nothing about the Habs other than like Carey Price, Brendan Gallagher's bald spot, um, <laughs> and, and Nick Suzuki, who completely undressed Jacob Markstrom tonight. Those are the only only players I know about. So like, I was like. He appeared like on the on like my monitor during the scrum. I'm like, who is that gentleman? What is he doing? Why is he making a scene here? And then he was in the penalty box, and I was like, oh, that was quick. But <laughs> I felt the same as you, though. I I didn't notice paling too much, so I think uh, need to see more time on ice. Yeah, yeah, definitely needs a, a bit of a better chance. I I think the guy that I noticed even less than paling though was Christian Dvorak, who Likewise. has not really had a great start to the season. I mean, it's not really fair to say that about any single Montreal Canadian right now because the whole team hasn't had that great of a start to the season, but Christian Dvorak has not exactly been the solid two-way player that the Canadians thought they were getting. He's He was at the beginning of the season, like unspectacular but solid, and now it's just like he wins face-offs, but then his line just gets dummy. They were actually, I think, the only Canadians line that were in the negatives in terms of shot attempts tonight. And they were like really in the negatives. When it comes to him, I was kind of curious about that trade because he comes from like a market that, you know, with a roster like in Arizona, nothing really special about it other than like a bunch of folks that get dumped there for cap reasons. And I was kind of curious to see how he would fit in with the approach there with the Habs. Is, Is he just like a player that stylistically doesn't fit with like, the the approach to the game because like the, I feel like the Habs really and you correct me at any point but like they play they try to play as north to south as possible given like they've got guys like Nick Suzuki obviously and, and Brendan Gallagher who's just like a wrecking ball and then even guys like Joel Armia like I've noticed in years past like very kind of north to south approach doesn't really play like east west but like is it just like stylistically and systemically that he's not fitting in and, and getting the results that you would expect or is it just, you know, he's not the player that was advertised at all? I, I think he actually fits stylistically pretty well because the Canadians seem to like guys like Dvorak, who at, at the beginning of the year, he was really solid defensively and his line was like outplaying teams in terms of like shot attempts and expected goals, but like nothing spectacular offensively. Like he doesn't have a lot of creativity, but he's got like a little bit of speed off the rush so he can join in, especially when like Josh Anderson kind of breaks down the wing and does his like Josh Anderson thing, the the power move that he does almost every single time he has the puck. And Dvorak was kind of joining those rushes at the beginning of the year. And it's just been happening a little bit less. I know he is a little bit banged up right now, but that line since Jonathan Drouin got injured has just been really brutal. And it kind of makes you realize like, uh, I think Dvorak has a void in his game in terms of playmaking. He kind of just like goes to the net, goes back, goes to the net, goes back, which is the same thing that Anderson does in a lot of ways, just coming in from the wing. And Druen was kind of the straw that stirred the drink. And without him, it's just, it doesn't work. Hmm. 
so I shouldn't pick him up in fantasy is what you're saying. <laughs> I wouldn't do that right now. No. Sounds ill-advised. <laughs> I don't, I I don't forgot, even play I forgot fantasy. he played for them. Honestly, I forgot. <laughs> I, forgot I honestly, halfway that. through the game, I thought that he was uh, a scratch because like, he was banged up and I thought maybe Paling was on his line because I hadn't heard his name. I wasn't specifically watching for him, so bad night for Christian Dvorak. Ryan Paling just didn't get much ice time. Other than that, I would say like Brendan Gallagher had one of his better games this year. I thought he was uh, fiery all game long. I like Tyler Toffoli's game tonight. I actually thought it might have been uh, Alex Romanov's best game of the year tonight. He still he's had chippy. some. Yeah, he was very chippy going for the big hits. He's been doing that a lot lately. He still had some really terrible reads in his own zone, but that's kind of who he is. Do you foresee him being like living up to his draft hype or do no. you feel like there's like, no, Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't really that much hype around him at the draft, right? It was a huge reach by the Canadians. He was like unranked or something in the second round. Ooh. And then the Canadians themselves kind of hyped him up as he was coming over from Russia as like the next big thing. And they're like, Oh, we found this diamond in the rough. Nobody knew about him. And he, doesn't have a lot offensively. He just like every time he goes in offensively, you know, he's just going to shoot. And most of the time it goes into a shin pad and, uh, and defensively, he's not like a puck mover to exit the zone. He's a big hitter, but like how much is that valuable in today's game? And like man to man, he's not a great defender either. So he's not good at like stopping guys off the cycle. It's like, if he can't line you up as you're entering the zone, he gets kind of lost and he doesn't transition the puck well either. So to me, I look at him, and I'm like, where's the upside coming from? And, you know, he could shut me up at any moment and develop a lot of areas of his game. He's got a level of talent that's obviously there, but the decision-making isn't great. Although I just, I thought he had a really good night tonight. But there was, Watch. I mean, there was a period of, of big hype. Yes. Last, last year. He's yeah, the Canadians were like the ones to hype him up. Like they were letting it known, be known to the media, like right. this kid's great. And they never do that. So everyone was super confused as to why they were doing that. And then <laughs> he had a good like cu first couple games and then just didn't right. really do much the rest of the year. He's going to prove you wrong. Like next week it's going to happen and you're going to be sitting here and be like, why did I say that about Alex Romanov? And then everybody's going to be in your mentions about it. That's all right. I'm all for that. I love being proven wrong. It's one of my favorite things is when I say something about a player and they completely change things and start like kicking ass or I guess not my favorite things if I say they're great and they start sucking, but uh, I'm all for any player having a career year because it's always fun. All right. We'll probably uh, wrap it up here because I'm losing energy. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I gotta like, put my go. kid to bed. She's yeah, exactly. Forever. She yeah, and uh, I'm like a little bit under the weather, so I gotta save up my energy for the Hot Ones Challenge this weekend that I'm doing oh, with yeah. Julian McKenzie. So how are you, how, like how many hot sauces are you going to? It's 10, so 10 wings each. Yeah. It goes all the way through the gauntlet. The only thing is we don't have the one that they have uh, at, at the show, Da Bomb. The, the one they sell from their right. website isn't the same. It's called uh, Da Bomb Evolution, and apparently it's not quite as bad because that specific hot sauce is the only one on their lineup that uses pepper extract instead of just actual peppers. And that's supposed to be... It's not even that it's way hotter. It's just that it's super disgusting. 
<laughs> and that's like that combined with the heat is what actually like gets people when they eat it. So this one apparently is much more tasty and I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but it's going to be a fun one. I, so this, I'll, I'll make this quick because we're all tired. But when I worked on breakfast television in Calgary, they had this ghost pepper burger that they brought in for the Calgary stampede. And so, you know, morning shows it's like, okay, we're going to bring in and see if anybody can eat it. Our weather guy, Andrew Schultz was like, I love hot stuff. And he just like starts eating. He gets through about half of it. And I guess, you know, pepper sometimes doesn't hit you. Well, we lost him for the show. I mean, he just, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't see him again. I did weather for the first time in my life and um, just be careful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about the next day because I think there's actually a game on Sunday as well. I'm doing Saturday and Sunday. So we'll see. We'll see how under the weather I am for that one. But like milk. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of getting like a couple of yops or something and doing like the heavy yeah. cream yogurt. Yeah, just to help us out. But yeah, it'll be fun uh, before we close it out. Uh, first, Tara, then Mike, tell us what you got going on. Where should we pay, be paying attention to follow your work? Well, um, I'm on, you know, all the media, except for TikTok. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter, Instagram, everything, uh, at Tara Sloan, T-A-R-A-S-L-O-N-E. There's no A in my last name. Um, Rogers Hometown Hockey airs Monday nights on Sportsnet. Um, we're off as we discussed this Monday because Sudbury has had to be postponed. But fingers crossed we make it to Tilsonburg uh, the weekend after and every weekend till the end of the regular season. Awesome. Uh, you can find me at the Scorch Deck, the premier Calgary Flames newsletter that is rising through the ranks of the internet. We do things like investigate claims against Andrew Manjupani being uh, an evil hockey player in Barrie where he makes children work super late because he scores too many points. It's a real thing. Uh, there, there's a, I'll, I'll go through this really quickly. So there was a video that made the rounds late last week or earlier this week and about a guy talking about how Andrew Manjupani would score a bunch of points and there was a promotion with the Barry Colts where if they scored like five goals in a game, everybody gets a bunch of free wings. So everybody went to the, like the wings, the wing shop after the game. And he essentially blamed Andrew Manjupani for it. We investigated it. There's actually a legitimate case before this. So great player at the NHL level, but maybe a little bit uh, evil when it comes to scoring a bunch of points and making children stay past midnight, making wings (laughs) and then missing math tests. It's incredible. Uh, That's you know, we've been doing this. We have a we're we're launching a video platform. Uh, we write about the flames. We talk about the flames. We just want to have a good time. So you can find me at the Scorch Deck. And I, I have to say, I agree that the Scorch Deck is the premium Calgary Flames content. Yes, it is amazing. It truly is. It's a group of people that you couldn't find anywhere else. I don't know if any team has anything that compares to it. It is incredible amounts of fun. And I mean, anything that's named after Scorch, who, if you don't know the story, go find the story. It is the craziest turnaround of a team announcing a mascot and then killing the mascot in the same day. It's uh, it's something. The Adirondack Flames. You got to look it up. I don't Scorch. know it. Yeah, oh, you don't know it? Okay, we got to tell the story before we go if Tara doesn't Ooh. know it. Okay. I don't know it. So the this is so good. The Flames used to have a or they had when they moved to Adirondack, their AHL farm club. Adirondack had a fire years and years ago that a bunch of firefighters died in. And for whatever reason, the Adirondack Flames went insane and said that they were going to name their mascot Scorch and that he was the like eternal flame that killed those firefighters. 
So they mm-hmm. announced this <laughs> this mascot <laughs> with a video, and it was like him with firefighters, and then there was a cut, and then the firefighters were like dead on the ground, and the mascot was like dancing. <laughs> does that exist it it still exists yeah Yeah, you can find it and literally the same day the team was like yeah we're we're not going to do that mascot because there's a huge backlash from people like why are you like promoting killing firefighters with an ahl team's mascot and uh i believe based on what we know the flames still have that mascot costume and i plan to help the scorch tack try to get some sort of GoFundMe going to buy that costume because that mascot must live. So I just have a brief update on this because we talked about it a couple days ago. Uh, Apparently Stockton might be changing their mascot to Scorch. That's (gasps) like the new, that's a new thing because of the new, um, like Seattle's affiliate is going to be getting like the Firebirds or something like that. It's really cool, but apparently Scorch. Firebirds. Yes. So they're going to bring back Scorch potentially, which means there's going to be mass firefighter protests everywhere because they can't <laughs> let Scorch walk the walk the earth anymore. Also, California has a lot of fires. It seems, that too. It seems very like in bad taste still. Yes, very bad taste. But you got to hand it to a team for doing something completely psycho that <laughs> makes no sense. And I think it's even crazier than Gritty. Like it, it almost set the table for Gritty. Oh, Gritty. There's nothing bad about Gritty. Scorch walked uh, so Gritty could run. That's usually what happens. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to Tara and Mike for coming on the show tonight. It was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we get to do it again soon. I will see you all Saturday for pain. Pain with Julian McKenzie. Luck. <laughs> <laughs>